this is Molly Storm from Stowe, Ohio, and you're listening to Barbecue Central. Happy to have you aboard here for the really big barbecue show. Boing. We cook because we have to, and we grill because we want to. Hit me. Fine. How's it going? You have a great show. I'm a big fan. Boing. So what? What? What seems to be the problem here? This man looks like he's dead, and he's in the in the crackle. Charbono. It's all about the Charbono, dude. Succulent fish. What? He ate two feet wiener. Oh, listen, Laburnius, shut your face. I'm shaking like a dog shit peach seed. <laughs> we have top men working on it right now. <laughs> top men. And just like that, we're into the second hour. It's the Barbecue Central Show, where we talk about only the most elite, highline-level items in the barbecue and grilling industry. We are currently doing it live live. right here on a Tuesday night from 9 to 11 p.m. If you missed the first hour, never fear. We are recording for podcast posterity. Hour number one will be up in the feed in just a few hours' time, hour number two will be up Thursday, and we'll talk about Friday here in just one second. Still to come on the show this evening, Rusty Monson of Salt City Barbecue, and then closing it out, we'll have an open segment where we'll review a little bit of the most recent episode of the Baseball and Barbecue Podcast, where Len Hollywood Averman and Jeff the Old Coot Cohen went out of their way to do a whole episode on why I should be in the Barbecue Hall of Fame. This show originating from... Palm City, USA, Cleveland. We say good evening to those of you watching the show tonight through one of the video streaming platforms of Facebook and Twitch slash BBQ Central Show. You can also watch over on YouTube slash RD Rempe. And now we have an update to the YouTube poll question of the week. Are you planning to build an outdoor kitchen area in 2023 or do you already have one? 71% of you saying no. Wow. 71%. I thought that was something that was a little bit more on the rise in popularity or something that folks were really looking to get into, but perhaps we all need to up our game and associate ourselves with much richer people than we are. If 71% of us are saying no, that we either don't have one and we're not doing one this year, uh, one of two things is going on. We are not hanging around the right people or two, the economy is tightening up. I can't have that. I have to buy all my frivolous nonsense. I have to keep up with the Joneses. And I can't do that without any money. I had a better YouTube poll question of the week. I thought this one would be a better question, but it's quite honestly, it's running away with it right now with the nose. So as I was talking about at the close of the first hour and the barbecue hall of fame, and then this guy, one of the guys who I have a big man love with for many years, love, love, uh, love him long time is Ron Hap. You can't read that, but I can. Ron Hap is giving everybody immediately. Look, I know Ron on Facebook here, so I know what he's up to. Shenanigans, nonsense, tomfoolery are always afoot when Ron is posting anywhere on social media. Okay, he's a dog. Here's what he wrote. 
And I can tell you, as soon as I saw the size of this post from the Facebook, I knew one thing, ChatGPT. Uh, Ron is a expert at ChatGPT. And here's what he's saying as far as what he's submitting for Barbecue Hall of Fame. Greg Rempe should be in the Barbecue Hall of Fame because he is a highly respected figure in the world of barbecue. He's made significant contributions to the industry. As the host of the Barbecue Central Show, a popular radio program that covers all things barbecue, by the way, not a radio program whatsoever, but a podcast, a popular radio program that covers all things barbecue, Greg has interviewed countless pitmasters, competition champions, and industry experts helping to spread knowledge and elevate the craft of barbecue. This is how I know it's Chad GPT. He has also been a strong advocate for the barbecue community, pro promoting events and initiatives that help support and grow in the industry. In addition, and this is where I know it's a lie. Uh oh, hold on a second. Lene busted this whole thing for me. By the way, hello, Lene. Good to see you. In addition to his works as a broadcaster and promoter, Greg is an accomplished barbecue cook in his own right. That's right. He has won numerous awards at competitions and is a KCBS certified barbecue judge. No, I'm not. I am not. He has also served as a judge for the prestigious Jack Daniels World Championship Invitational Barbecue and the American Royal World Series of Barbecue. No, I haven't. Overall, which he must have changed, because usually this is where it says in conclusion, which is when you know it's a Chad GPT product. Overall, Greg Rempe's passion, knowledge, and contribution to the barbecue community make him a deserving candidate for the Barbecue Hall of Fame. If you're going to take the easy way out and copy and paste what Ron has put up for everyone on the Facebook part of this to see, because there's no way you're going to be able to copy and paste what you see written on the Nobody can read that. I just got to read it. You have to take out the stuff that's wrong. I'm not a broadcaster. I'm a podcaster. I am an accomplished barbecue cook in my own right, but I don't compete. I'm just pretty good at it. Uh, around the backyard, the king of the cul-de-sac, whatever you want to call it. King in the castle, king in the castle. King in the castle, king in the castle. I am not, nor have I ever been, a certified barbecue judge for the KCBS. I have never once judged at the prestigious Jack Daniels World Championship Invitational Barbecue. I have never judged at the American Royal World Series of Barbecue. Never. So if you're going to copy and paste, delete all that because it's a lie. It's not true. I'm not even purporting that that's even close. It's straight up not fact. It's not true. It's Andrew, not. You are not the father. You're not the father. Ron, you are not the father of me, and you will edit prior to nominating. So anyway. If you're going to take the easy way out, edit first. Edit the fakes. The barbecue show saying fake it till you make it. I can't do that. I can't say that I was a judge at the Royal, which does 
I believe, uh, need KCBS judges. I am not. I'm not even a KCBS member. I think you have to be a member to be a judge. Not to be a cook, but to be a judge, I think you have to be a KCBS member. And I've never judged the Jack Daniels ever. I've never even been invited and then declined. Don't put, don't put that in there if you're going to do that. Don't lie. Only tell the truth, please. Coming up on the best moments of the Barbecue Central Show in 10 minutes or less this coming Friday, episode 277, taking you back to April 12th of 2016. And by the way, if you're a true fan of this show and the best moments show specifically, you would know that the date mentioned this week is also the date that gave you episode 276 with Max Good. But this time around, I had longtime standing sponsor of this show, Chris Becker from Cook and Peloton. And we were talking about how they had recently started landing their wood pellet shipments across the globe in foreign lands. For instance, Hong Kong. Anyone ever heard of Australia? Yeah. How about a place like Guam? Foreign lands. And everywhere like such as. I know there's one person that gets that reference. Same guy doing Chad GPT. So if you are a fan of cooking pellets, and who isn't, then this is a segment you will most certainly want to take in this coming Friday. Chris Becker is such a wealth of information when it comes to the pellet side of the business because, well, that's his business. But you do have to be subscribed to the podcast feed in order to get the best moments show, so don't forget to do that. And... If you want to hear a past guest or segment that you think has been lost in the archives, please email John, J-O-N, at thebbqcentralshow.com. Let him know what you would like to hear, and he'll do his best to meet your expectation. That's J-O-N at thebbqcentralshow.com. Email from James in Kansas. Greg, I have been a fan of your show for about a year or so. I really enjoy all the content, but really love the segments with my favorite YouTube cook, Sam the Cooking Guy. What are the chances of you and him going outside of your sandboxes? <clears throat> what are the chances of you going outside of your sandboxes and doing a podcast together? I think the banter you share back and forth would lead to an incredibly popular podcast in its own right, perhaps bigger than your current independent projects. Just a thought. Love the show. Regard, James. James? If I've said it once in this show, I've said it again in the second hour. You're not the first one to mention it. You won't be the last one to mention it. It's not happening. I don't want to be not happening, guy. What I want to say is there is a very real possibility that that will never happen. The only way that this potentially can even get off the ground is Sam lobbing me a phoner and saying, this is something we have to do. And then from there, it's going to take a number of conversations to even vet out if it's something that can actually sustain itself. Because what am I not going to do? Get all excited because of somebody famous that I'm going to do a podcast with. And then not be able to sustain it. It's going to have to go at least as long as this show goes. That's 17 years. I'm not going to do something and then 
stop it after six months. I have too much of a reputation to uphold. So if anybody wants to start a podcast with me, know this. We have to do it for at least 15 years. That's the barrier to entry. That's the standard. Just think about that next time you want to jump into a podcast. I read all those already. Let me talk to you about Big Papa Smokers, the one-stop online shop for all things barbecue. A curated selection of only the best outdoor cooking and grilling supplies, getting you on the path to better barbecue results in no time. Everything at Big Papa Smokers, Pitmaster approved by Sterling, Big Papa Ball himself. Of course, we know about the 13 perfectly balanced flavors of rubs and seasonings, popular flavors like Sweet Money, Cattle Prod, Cash Cow, Double Secret Steak Rub, which is two of my favorites. They also own Granny's Barbecue Sauce, so if you're sick of what's currently out there or you want to try something that's great right out of the bottle, Granny's Barbecue Sauce. Try that. Aside from the premium selection of rubs and sauces, Big Papa Smoker is offering the very best pellet, charcoal, and wood cookers available today. If you're looking for a versatile smoker that's easy to use, check out that Mac 2-Star General Pellet Cooker. Big Papa's the exclusive Mac dealer, even offering special packages. If you're not a fan of pellet smokers or you're not sure of what grill you need, call them and ask questions, 877-828-0727. That's 877-828-0727. Or shop their website at bigpapasmokers.com. That's B-I-G-P-O-P-P-A smokers.com. We are back with my pal Rusty Monson right after this. Stick around. Be right back. You're listening to the Barbecue Central Show. Stern, Jim Rohn, Dan Patrick, and Greg Rampey. The Mountain Rushmore of talk show entertainment. Now, let's get back to the Barbecue Central Show. We are back. My first guest in the second hour this evening, a Barbecue Central Show embedded correspondent, a championship award-winning pitmaster, the co-host of the Pitmasters podcast, also owner-operator of the Salt City Barbecue Trailer that we have been following over the last year plus now as we bring him back in for another 90-day update. Trusty Monson. First check-in of 2023, pal. And by the way, what a dynamic-looking microphone that you have there. Man. Oh, this whole thing? How does it sound? Yeah, uh, I think it sounds pretty good. All right. Sure. That's good. The Sure SM7B, aside from the one that I have, which is the ElectroVoice RE20, uh, you have the second most uh, broadcast standard microphone that you can get. I did it because Michael Jackson had one. So that's the reason I got it. He had an SM7B. Yeah, that's what he did uh, all of the thriller and stuff on. So I didn't know that. I just wanted to sing like Michael Jackson. So if we ever did the uh, singing again, I had a head, you know, head start. Uh-huh. So. All right. Well, I see you gearing up for a run at Barbecue Central Show's American Idol, which is a little bit in jeopardy, but we're not going to talk about it here this evening. Not that you're too worried about that, I can see. First check-in of 2023, Rusty. Last time you were on, you had mentioned the hiring of someone that you were able to trust, help you run operations as it were and allow you some ability to do things outside of 
operating solely yourself at events. 90 days later, has anything changed on that front for better or worse? Yeah, we've hired a whole staff of people now. So I not only have my main guy, but I have another main guy that's his main guy. Wow. Then we have someone coming back who will be the main girl. So we have three people that are able to load the truck up, get prep ready, and do the meets. And then I have four to five people who can run the truck. So though I do operations and I'm there all the time, it's getting to the point now where I don't have to be. But then it's funny because when you're like, oh, we're staffed, you can stay at home. Then you're like, well, what I could do is do two things on Tuesday and two things on Wednesday instead of one. So then, you know, you get busy. It's funny. Uh, when you staff, you think it'll be easier, but it's it's so far the same because we're busier because we can handle more events, <laughs> bigger events. So you have, uh, I'm throwing out terms to help me remember this. You have four managers, but then you have an additional four or five workers. Yeah, I got three Holy people, three point two point five people right now. She's in Colorado, our uh, other girl, and she's she'll be back in about a week or two. But so those th three people can handle the mm. setup and the prep and the meat cooking and all that stuff. Um, Jared still does the majority of it because he's better at it than them. But we do have those two people coming up and learning and knowing that stuff. And then we have Katie, Emery, Mika, uh, Tristan people who are rock stars that run the truck with me wow. when I'm on the truck. And then we have our conventions, which we kind of split and do. We have a convention team and then a truck team right now. Any other big issues that have come up over the last 90 days that you've had to contend with? Yeah, the conventions. Um, <clears throat> so we, you know, the, the, the advice you get when you're a food truck is it's winter time. Take it easy. Take a break. You busted your ass all summer and this is the time to kind of like rest your bones and do anything you need to do on the back end and whatever and so we had signed a contract with uh what's called center plate and they do convention centers such as the salt palace here oh. and the mount american west mountain america expo center and we did a couple things from they were busy and then i didn't realize in winter that they do every something every single week we had what was called the hunters uh expo here and you we're just kind of feeling out it's our first time doing it and we sold fifty three thousand dollars in four days and we had two locations in the salt palace getting just absolutely rocked so the problem really is is that we're doing these huge events right now and we did our best months january and february our busiest months ever because of these conventions plus we do catering outside of that so the challenge is is like i said once you hire people you're like okay let's do more and more turns into a different way of running things and, and, and mapping things out before you're like, okay, let's cook three briskets, two pork butts. Let's go to this park. And that's where they want us. And we'll just take two or three people. We're fine. Now we're like, I don't know how big this is going to be. Let's cook 24 pork butts and 25 briskets and, you know, keep that smoker going. And let's take six to seven people here. We did the NBA all-star came through here. We did that. Uh, we were in part of that, uh, that event. And it's just been nonstop. In fact, we're right now in the middle of a volleyball tournament here in Salt Lake, where it's just the whole entire Salt Palace, which is gargantuan center, is just full of people, and we're just getting hammered. And the funny part is, it's a volleyball tournament, so of course we have to make nachos, brisket, and dodge volleyballs constantly. So um, it's like this. We're really it's getting bigger. There's a lot of big events, and it's it's been an interesting challenge to manage 
you know, serving four to 500 people a day. Mm -hmm. Tomorrow we have a 400 person uh, thing throughout the day where we'll be feeding 400 people. So we're moving into this, this stage of just large events. And it's very challenging uh, to pull off. I've gotten lucky um, and we've been able to do it. Um, and manage those that manage that is is been very challenging when you are at these facilities are you inside or people going outside some of them we actually bring the trailer inside other times they put us in there our own little kiosk they're actually making us a kiosk there it's not the convention center uh hopefully sooner than later or we have a booth set up with the hunters uh the hunters convention we had our trailer there and a booth set up on two different ends and then this one, we have a kiosk where we're inside of a place. And then we'll also have a tent set up somewhere else. So that's kind of how that goes when it gets really, really busy. So we'll be in two different spots. And when we're inside those convention centers, the trailer sometimes is out somewhere else. So like this weekend, we'll be, we do morning and night events with the trailer and we'll be at that volleyball thing in the Salt Palace too at all at the same time. So we'll be at three different events in the same day. So three points of sale contact, basically. And that's been, you know, that's why you get have to get more people. And it's funny that more people come and you think it'd be easier. That's what I'm saying. Then you're like, oh, yeah, let's do conventions now. Oh, let's double down on this day. Oh, let's be four places at once. Yay. So, so let's talk about a business cool. question, and then let's talk about your thoughts on an operational question. Getting big events. As somebody who is newish at this, you're going, you know, into a year at this point, year plus, how are you getting big events? Who are you talking to? How are you making those relationships? And then how are you closing those deals? We just, on these ones, with we did USANA. We're actually going back to USANA Amphitheater, which is a big concert venue. We'll be doing like Sting, Foo Fighters, uh, Luke Bryant, Jelly Roll, things like that. They just reached out to us. They had had the food and liked it, wanted to see if we wanted to come. That was the same with the Salt Palace. The head chef Cheeto over there had had our food somewhere his name's cheeto um <laughs> and so he, he just got a hold of his guy his guy called us and then he had to go try out it was kind of lucky but i will say from looking at it now if i wasn't I, I can see it from a different perspective now for example i would love to get at the U of U, university of utah events for the football games and things like that so now i know if i reach out to their food and beverage guy and say hey listen I'm a food truck. This is the volume we're doing. We're very, very prepared for what you guys do. We're professionals. We know what's going on. Consider us. And so now I'm reaching out to the food and beverage directors of these companies, these expo centers, these convention centers, whatever they are, concert halls um, and universities. And sometimes you don't hear back. Sometimes you do. We had the university guy and, and another guy who does all the state fair stuff hasn't got back to me, but you know, you get back into doing the conventions and they'll call you all of a sudden randomly. And all of a sudden, this is what happened to us with the expo center down over this one is all of a sudden like, Hey, do you want to start doing this? Like, yeah, cool. We'll start next week. I'm like, shoot, you know, there's not a lot of lead up time. So they will get back to you, even though sometimes it's not, um, right away. So do you ever invite them out and say, Hey, Mr. So-and-so food and beverage guy, we're going to be, you know, would love to be at university of Utah. Why not shoot over to the salt palace and try some of our food so you can be wowed yes we i will always find a time where we are near them and say this is our location come check us out crickets but still hmm. hey three weeks later hey man we're gonna be just literally across the street from you guys 
uh, in the next couple of days, you should come out and give us a shot and, and we can chat. And so that's the best way to do it because they always need someone and people will drop out or, you know, they're on a contract thing. Some of these venue v- vendors that we have dealt with in these huge events, they just can't hang out. They just can't hang. So they'll go, you know, they'll vet them out and they'll leave or whatever it is. So they'll always opening. So just keep at them. Just, you know, if you want to just pop in every few months and say, Hey, I'm still interested. You see your team executing at what I assume is a pretty high level at these really big events. They could be overwhelming to some other. So what makes a good food truck good? What makes a bad food truck bad as far as experience and, and not being able to handle these types of situations? A lot of times I think a pitfall with big events is that food trucks will cheap out. They'll say, okay, we need to just sell food fast, get as many people fed as we can. There's a taco place that's very big here and they, and you don't see them around very much. And and when we would go out to big events with them, we would have their food and it was awful. And they're going to feed up to a thousand people. And their thought process was, let's just bust it out. Let's get it out and let's serve as many people as we can. Our fraught process and the good food trucks are, you have to be, we look at these events almost like we need to impress and do better quality wise than any other time. More people are coming to our truck and we are out in front of hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people every day. If we serve crappy food just so we can sell it and get it out quick, no one's going to want to come eat at our food. I cannot tell you how many people, caters, weddings, people that come out to our food truck. We would say, it's on a, oh man, I, like just yesterday, we've been waiting this since the home show at the expo center. I've, we found out we have people now paying to get into expos to have our food. They pay the $35. They're not going for the event. They're coming to eat. Straight up eat. And I tell them, I just, so we had this happen twice. One at this volleyball event and the one before. And we're like, give us a call. We'll run it out to you. And keep in mind, we have to charge $35 more for this food because that's what they charge us at these convention centers. So it's more expensive, but these people don't care. Hmm. And that's the kind of, that's the concept is that then you have other food, like one of the people who probably won't be another vendor there, their food is, I've had it outside of it. And it's good inside of this venue. It's not good. And they're not trying hard. They're more scared about the volume. And if you can't produce the best, you should be cooking the best food you can because you're going to be in front of like hundreds and hundreds of people. You need to impress these guys. These guys want, these guys will want to find you when you're out of there. They don't know that our food's cheaper outside of this. And they're still finding us because the food is quality and we don't skimp and we do it in a, we do it quickly. Or they might want to hire you, right? Like outside of the volleyball contest, maybe somebody's got graduating this year and they want Salt City Barbecue to cater their graduation party. There's not a day that goes by where I don't have three to four people reaching out to me about caterings, about weddings, about family reunions, about a guy just wanted us to come to his neighborhood yesterday and all these people start with, oh, we had you at Pinner's Conference. Oh, we had you at the Hunter's Expo. We had you at the Home Show. We had you at the Tattoo Convention. Hmm. And so <clears throat> that's what I'm saying. Is like it's, it's, I look at it as a great opportunity to um, put your best foot forward and get as many people as possible to try your food. And that's what you need to look at it as. Not, I need to serve these people and make a whole lot of money because you won't last long. And nothing, I, I've said this a hundred times before, probably I've said it on this show, but Nothing fails a uh, bad business like good advertising. So you don't want to put bad food in front of people's face at that kind of scale. And as so many people do it and I, I, it helps us to be honest, you know what, if you want to suck at a convention, we're at great. Cause we'll take advantage of it. When we're talking about 
the sheer amount of food that you're putting out in something like this, as you said, the bad ones are just pushing it out to try and make as much money as possible. Is there some correlation to you taking time and not getting the same margin? Um, what do you mean us taking time? Like, taking again, more to time me, it sounds work. like you're taking your time. You're putting together the food right. And as you said, you're putting your best foot forward. The taco place next to you sounds like they're just slinging it out as fast as they can and trying yes. to sell as much as possible. So maybe you're not moving the same type of tickets, but margin for margin, yours isn't any more or, or less than what theirs is, right? Yeah. And, and one of these and uh, uh, that used to be one of the vendors there outside, they made all their food fresh inside. They bought it and it was all pre-made. And so they just caught it there and put it together and sent it out. And it just was not a good product. And so, yeah, of course we take the time. I spend $162 on a case of cheese and that is double what anyone else is spending on cheese. But, and again, we, we make our prices accordingly and people expect to pay more. We put 35% on top of what we're already charging, which is a lot of money. People still buy it. But the thing is, is, you know, they, they'll eat that food. This happens all the time. Friday, we'll go there. They'll have X. They'll have that guy's, right? And then their friend will have ours. And then ev all three of them will come back to us on Saturday. Oh, we had your food and we had so-and-so. Oh, man, they're this and this and this. And there's another uh, person there that kills it, too. They do a fantastic job, but their food is not as popular. And it's just every weekend they get busier as it goes on because people try it. They know they could do a good job. The food's better. And they want to come back and eat it, you know, because these conventions, a lot of these people come back and back all the time or at these concerts, people come to these concerts often. They're not just one band they like. So they'll remember you next time. And if you don't impress them, they won't come back to you and you'll wonder why, you know, and this sucks, this event sucks, blah, 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 blah. It's because you're not trying hard Rusty, and you need to put the time in. Rusty Monson joining us here from Salt City Barbecue, Salt City BBQ. .co is the website if you want to check Rusty out, see where the schedule is and where he might be popping up next. Leading the team here, Rusty, I mean, I affectionately refer to you as Mr. Positivity on the show when we're doing embedded correspondence, but how are you finding it leading a team? It's always a bit different when you are the sole proprietor, you're really the one busting it out, doing all the labor, but now you have you know three other managerial types underneath you, you have four or five workers uh, beneath them. So there's a multitude of things that you have to be doing from a managerial standpoint to keep everybody motivated and seeing your vision and believing it. And how are you doing that? You just want to make it to be the best place to come to work. You want them to have fun all the time. People say, I love coming to work on the truck. It's so much fun. And that takes a lot of effort, you know, whether that be, you have to make someone want to do the job and you got to just take care of them. You got to love them. You know, if they, if they, if they're having troubles outside work with them, their schedule work with them, um, when you get there, Hey, how's it going, man? Talk to them about what's going on. V be interested in them and what they have to say and just be a good friend to them and, you know, and sell the food and, and it gets busy and things get crazy. But then it's always just like, Hey, you like the other day, Riley, he kind of came on and he just killed it. And all I could do at the end is like, man, you just did such a great job. Good job. Thanks. Thank you so much. You're so good about getting that food out quick and, and making sure that it was quality food and all that stuff. And I was always just, you know, encouraging him, making sure that he knew that he did a good job. And, you know, you get, to, and like I said, you want to get to know them and you want to work with them and understand that jobs are 
you know, you have to do the job, you have to get it done, but it's not the only thing that they do. Quality of life is really, really important. And you have to find that balance of they feel respected. They feel like their quality of life is being taken seriously, but they're still getting the hours that they want. They're still getting the pay they want. I don't do anything without covering it with them first. Before we did tips and we used to split them throughout the shift and I wanted to do a different way to make it fair for people who are doing prep. And then we just kind of all got together and made the decision of we should pool tips. Though I induced the idea, it was them who came up, who, you know, of course, put in the input and did all the stuff. And you kind of, another thing you want to do is involve them in the process too. Give them a say, because they're the ones doing the work and they know more than you. Even though you're there all the time, they see it from a different perspective. You own it. You're excited. You want to be there every day. You're making money. They are just doing a job for you. So how do they feel about it? How do they feel about working from eight to eight at a convention where you're serving like 700 people? Do they want to break it up? Do they want, or how's it about this process? Riley, what do you think about this? Do you think we're doing this right? You know, and then they feel empowered. They feel like mm -hmm. they're a part of it and they feel like they have a say. And when they feel like they have a say, they feel like, you know, that they're, they are Salt Lake, the Salt Lake. When they say we serve ribs, you know, and, and they involve themselves in the processes, I think part of loving your job. Are you ever overcome with anxiety or do you feel a pressure on you as the leader here to make sure that everybody is getting hours, getting paid, able to have whatever type of life they're trying to lead under the responsibility of Salt City Barbecue? Yeah, it's the worst. My work, my, when I first hired Jared and he left, it, I realized driving home, I realized like, man, I'm in charge of this man's livelihood. If I don't give him the right amount of money and I don't pay him a certain amount, he's got bills to pay. He's got a life to live. Um, and, and people come on with kids You're like, man, these guys have kids. Like I have to provide a life for this family and it's such a trip, but yeah, giving people hours and that's, that's, that's the hardest part is you don't want to hire too many people, especially on a food truck. Cause everything's so variable, you know, we'll have a great week and we'll be busy from Sunday to Sunday, but then other times we're not, and it's trying to get creative and, and give these guys what they want. And I'll, I'll say, Hey, it's a short week guys who wants some time off, who wants to do this. And yeah, you have to manage that and make sure that they get what they want, but also get paid. And, and you have to understand that sometimes when you've been busy and you understand that you kind of have to help them. They say, oh, no, it's cool. Give me four days off. I'm like, yeah, but last time you did that, you were hurting real bad. So how about we have you go in the pit out on Thursday and do this and this and this and just get a few hours in so you can, you know, have a little beefier chicken. But it's balancing that's a very, is a big challenge, especially when it gets a little slower, which hasn't happened yet, thank God. But there, there are times and there will be times. Food costs in 2023 so far? Um, food costs in 2023 are high. Or than I want them to be. We had nachos, which are which are a pretty high food cost. I was hoping to make other items that would kill neck that, you know that that down a little bit, and make it so. For example, we have nachos. We're running a thirty five percent food cost. However, we look at this little this little pork sandwich. It's fantastic. You know, it's a twenty percent food cost. Eat this or sausage, which is a seven percent food cost, and no one would. They just wanted the nachos all the time, and so. We had to break up a lot of things where we had an offer to small version now to a large version, which helps offset that. We used to put beans and coleslaw on it. Now that's a loaded option for four more dollars. Then with ribs, we, we were able to 
make rib tips as a special. So that helps offset the cost. We trim our own ribs down to St. Louis and then cook rib tips, things like that. But we're running still around 33%, which is about 8% more than I want to be running. So there's a few things we need to dial in as far as that goes, but it's mostly things like I won't give up. Like that cheese again, went up 20, $15 a case, uh, brisket still meh. Ribs are coming down and so is pork. So we're trying to push all that stuff, but we're still around 32, 33%. What's the profit like in the company right now? I think I'm taking home about, if I had to stretch it out a whole year, I think I'm taking home about eight to 9%, which is pretty good. (laughs) Um, That's uh, I think a pretty decent margin right now. Um, It's funny because one thing I didn't have my hands on was labor and I was uh, just kind of scheduling people like, yeah, let's have four people work this and three people work this and blah, 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 blah. And then I got this new scheduling program where I can put in the sales and the hours and it gives me labor. My labor was running 40%, which you want it to be in the 30s, but I can run it in the 20s, low 20s, low high teens. And so mm-hmm. since I've implemented that, I've saved a lot of money by scheduling accordingly, by not putting so many people on. So I'm just being smarter about scheduling. And so, um, and we, we, all of those big problems that we had have been paid for on the trailer, the broken, this and broken that, and we need this and we need that. So I'm hoping this year with labor dialed in, getting those food costs down below around 25% and keeping labor around, I'm just going to say 23, 25%, which is still a little high for me. I could bust out more of a 15% take home next year, which would be great. We're, we're, we're booking we're on our way. Our goal is $500,000 this year and we're well on our way. Wow. So we've already got to, we're almost to 180,000 since January. So I asked you at the end of 2022, if this journey is worth it and you said, yes, does it get easier the more you're with it or the longer you're at it? It's gotten easier than it gets, you know, it's, there's always a challenge. Like I said before, we got into a rhythm of doing what we were doing, which was lunches, some catering and some dinner events. And then you throw the conventions in and it became a big challenge and we figured that out. But then we got cocky and was like, well, if we're at the tattoo convention, we can also have the trailer over here. So now we're in different spots, different places, and the logistics again become a challenge. But once we staff that out, everyone understands the role, what's going to happen, which we're kind of coming into right now, then it becomes easy again. I'm sure there'll be something else. I'll prop what I want to do is make it buy another truck as soon as I can. So then, then you'll have to manage the conventions, the trailer and the truck. And there's always going to be something, man. You always have to push the envelope a little bit, you know? So we had also talked last year about the potential of investors and getting into a brick and mortar location. Where's that right now? Our, um, investors I'm, I'm, I'm kind of not going to do, I've decided we had someone right on the fence offering us money, the whole nine yards. I, I didn't, I'm not going to say I chickened out. I kind of, I wasn't ready for it. And I'm glad I didn't because what happened was as long story short, um, our smoker is taking up a lot of space in our commissary and the lady who owns it asked us to move it. And the way she put it said, she kind of wanted us to move out of the the commissary. (laughs) And so I got scared. I called my realtor friend who does commercial real estate. And I said, Hey, get me into a place. I was thinking I can get into a restaurant and just use it as a commissary and build it out as a restaurant. It's like, sure, man. He sends me all these things and the average rent is $13,000 a month. And that's at a really crappy place. And so 
I was like, no. And then, and then I went to a restaurant the day after on a Friday night and it was a great restaurant. I love it. And there was no one there. And I was like, man, if I was paying $13,000 a month for this place, some asshole who invent invested in me is breathing down my neck. Cause we're not busy yet. I I'm, I would, I couldn't handle that. So I went back and I'm like, you know what? We're a food truck until we are so popular. We cannot not have a restaurant. Yeah. And that way, when we pull up and we open that thing, people are like, oh, hell yeah. Finally, Salt City Barbecue has a restaurant. Let's go. Right now, we're not there. So I will not pay $15,000, whatever. I'm going to have two trucks, maybe three. We might look into our own uh, com uh, commercial kitchen. But right now, even if some investor comes to me, I'm going to do it by myself. I think we can raise enough capital to do it alone. And uh, it'd be easy transition, I think, from doing what we do now to going to restaurants simply because one, me and Jared both have the experience. We've both run restaurants and it's not going to be much different to move our food into a counter space. So I, I, I think we can do it alone and I don't want an investor and I, I really want to avoid the bank. So that's the goal. Go the Dave Ramsey route, I guess is how you'd say it. What's the biggest goal over the next 90 days? The next 90 days is going to be, um, dial in more of so when you step back a little bit and you have people helping you realize things like the labor situation where they're not working i want to be able to write down everything we pay for and do labor wise food cost wise gas wise and i want to start dialing in things that so how much does it cost us to go out every day so if i go to lunch tomorrow considering all my payments my commissary you name it what is it that I would have to make that day to make a profit? I need to figure that out and I need to start dialing those things in and walking things back and coming up with a better catering option. And right now we're kind of willy nilly going out. Someone's like, Hey, come do my party. I'm like, sure, buddy, we'll be there. Now we need to look in, like I said, how much is it going to cost us to go out there and how much, and I want a guarantee. So we need to start doing stuff like that. Um, I think more, business stuff not so much get the food out let's get this let's get the uh whatever and then we're, i need to dial back labor and percentages and i need to really focus in on costs and get that under control and understand every single penny because i'm not quite there yet so <laughs> that's my goal did you hire somebody to, be, to do that is that a better option i yes i want to do it first so i understand it i don't want them to go yeah your profits this and me going great thanks jim I want to be able to your profit system look at it and go, I've done this a little bit. I can understand these numbers. So yeah, cool. We're good. You know, and then now you can do it. But yes. The goal would be for me to figure it out and turn it over to somebody else. Anything else coming up that we should know about before I let you go tonight? Um, if you're interested in doing any kind of food truck, I will be doing a podcast name is still in the, uh, we're in the air. We're still trying to figure that out, but we'll be doing that, starting that, hopefully getting that rolling in the next few weeks. Hopefully I can convince you not to do it. Um, and if you're crazy enough to do it, hopefully I can help you hmm. and we will have guests on that will, um, help you teach you teach me. I'm doing it as a selfish purpose. Cause I want to learn. I want to be able to talk to a bunch of food truck operators and get better at what I do. And you also can learn how to do that too. Hopefully that's the goal. And hopefully um, inspire you to do it and hopefully inspire you not to do it if, uh, if, you, if you're thinking you want to be cool and, and that's all you want to do. 
This is the pitmaster of Salt City Barbecue, Rusty Monson, the Utah embedded correspondent as well. And we'll see Rusty here in a couple weeks doing his uh, fourth Tuesday of the month thing with Doug and John. You can find his website at saltcitybbq.co. Rusty, always appreciate the time. And we will check in with you on this end of it in 90 days. Ooh, thanks, Greg. Appreciate it, man. You got it. It's Rusty. The pitmaster of positivity. Rusty Monson from Salt City Barbecue. SaltCityBBQ.co is the website. .co, not com. SaltCityBBQ.co, which I think is company. I don't know. But it's co, not .com. So extensive check-in with Rusty there. We were a little over the 90 days from last time, but now we're all caught up, and we'll see if his goals are reached in the new 90 and we'll track them back as we enter july that'll be seven or three months from now if you can believe it july 11th which is one day off of the best day ever why is that i don't know you tell me all right we are going to do one more quick segment here and then we'll call it an evening you are listening and watching the Barbecue Central Show right here on the Barbecue Central Network. Stick around, we'll be right back. Let's get back to a guy who has more experience giving you his opinion than he actually has cooking. Once again, here's your host, Greg Rampey. And we welcome you back and thank Rusty Monson for joining us last segment. This portion of the show being brought to you by Pit Barrel Cooker, the most unbelievable outdoor cooking device on the planet, currently available in three sizes with a host of accessories to complete your Pit Barrel cooking experience. Whether you're a beginner or professional, doesn't matter. Definitely cooker you want to add to the arsenal. Visit pitbarrelcooker.com and tell them the Barbecue Central Show sent you. So I want to close out here this evening and spend a little time thanking those who were a part of the baseball and barbecue podcast owed to Greg Rempe in the Barbecue Central Show and why I should be in the Barbecue Hall of Fame. There are a few times when I am humbled to the core, but one of those times occurred at the end of last week as I am a subscriber to the Baseball and Barbecue podcast, and it showed up that there was a new episode. I didn't really pay too much attention to the write-up or anything. I just got into the show and uh, here it was a whole episode, an hour plus of why I should be in the barbecue hall of fame. And not only was it the hosts, Len Aberman and Jeff Cohen or Jeff Cohen and Len Aberman, making sure that I'm giving equal due first and last. But these guys have been doing this show for five years or however long it is, uh, much longer than most podcasts even live these days. A lot of people got into them over the pandemic, and as soon as the pandemic ended, boom, uh, so did their podcast. I saw it happen to multitude. Some of them were really good, and I was scared as they were coming out because the content was so good. Where was this going to, where was the show going to go as things started to renormalize again and you could get out and not have to stay at home, blah, blah, blah. 
And a lot of those shows evaporated, unfortunately, which is painful to me because I enjoyed listening to them. But Baseball and Barbecue is one of those shows that have really cemented its place in the podcast landscape at this point. I mean, if you've made it two, three years in, especially into the five-year-plus category, you are one of the true podcasters. You've figured out a recipe for success. You've figured out that consistency is the key. In fact, Baseball and Barbecue has upped their output. Originally, they were every other week or something like that, and now they're pumping out episodes every week. And most of the time, it splits time between the topics, baseball and barbecue. Sometimes it's a little bit more of one than the other. But again, I'm a fan of both baseball and barbecue. So whether it's a little bit more baseball focused or a little bit more barbecue focused doesn't really matter to me. Uh, The content's always good. The interviews on the baseball side are really great. And if you like Doug Scheiding, he sits in on most of those barbecue uh, barbecue side of the interview of baseball and barbecue and, and helps those guys weave their way through some of the barbecue questions. So if you like uh, Doug, the Texas Embedded Correspondent here on this show, he does show up quite a bit as a co-host there on the baseball and barbecue side of things. They had 10, count them, 10 guests, which had to have been done over months as you go back through and listen to all the guests that they have had on their show. But who showed up for this particular show in particular? So they must have been doing an interview with uh, you know, first off the bat was Malcolm Reed. So they must have been talking with Malcolm or interviewed Malcolm and then held him off in separate time and said, okay, we're done with our show, but let me, are you open to talking about this particular idea that we have? We're putting together a separate show and would you spend a few minutes talking about uh, Greg Rempe and, and the Barbecue Central show, why you think he should be in the Barbecue Hall of Fame, if you do. And they were able to amass 10 folks some of them who I know very well. Some of them uh, are casual or cursory in this whole live fire scene. And they are as follows, as I just mentioned. Number one, probably the most popular face in barbecue today, Malcolm Reed. Gave his reasons on why I should be in the Barbecue Hall of Fame. Then number two, maybe you've heard of him. Maybe you haven't. If you're a fan of this show, you have heard of him because he's been on the show a couple times. The creator of Smoking Hot Confessions, Ben Arnott. Smoking Hot Confessions did win, I believe, podcast of the year through NBBQA two years in a row, was it, Ben? And really covers the Australian barbecue scene like nobody else. I don't even know if there is anybody else that's covering the Australian barbecue scene like Ben is. He is a trailblazer in his own right in that country and is doing a fine job. Again, somebody who has not succumbed to pod fade or didn't develop something that was consistent enough to repeat and get success. He has, and Ben show is really good, and it gives you a unique perspective on both how American barbecue has influenced other countries, and Ben has picked that ball up and rolled with it, turned it into a whole career. Uh, He is a teacher still, I think, but uh, fun fact about Ben, I think he's a black belt in some kind of martial arts, so never F with him. He will kill you. Let me rephrase that. If put in a situation where either you died or he died, he could kill you better than you could kill him, I would say that. But he's not that kind of a guy. He's way more chill, but I would not test. Anybody that's got that level, I'm not here to test anybody. As I've stated many times, I'm a very quick sprinter, 
And by the way, my top end can go over a long distance. So I am not afraid to run away from a fight, and I can run really far away from a fight for a long time. So let's keep that on the table as well. But Ben Arnott was on that show talking about why I should be in the Barbecue Hall of Fame. Very humbling to hear his thoughts about me. And then somebody who's been on the show as a one-time interviewer so far, but she's created an incredible business all on her own there from Girls Can Grill. Christy Vanover, successful competition cook, seller of rubs, very successful blogger, the whole deal. She was on talking about why I should be in the Barbecue Hall of Fame and very humbled to hear her thoughts on how she found the show, how she has used it over the years of doing it to up her barbecue and grilling game. And then two guys who I really look up to as far as journalism is concerned, creators of the smoke sheet, Sean Ludwig and Ryan Cooper. As we talked about with Meathead in the first hour, Sean's actually somebody I met in person, traveled to Cleveland by choice, if you can believe it. Traveled here by choice. Went to the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, did the whole deal, said, hey, are you available for lunch? We went to Mabel's on 4th Street, had a great barbecue lunch together, so I was able to meet Sean and talk to him. He's a big food guy. He had, like, the spotlight that looks like a cell phone when he was taking pictures, so he's always ready uh, ready to take pictures either for self-pleasure or for, did I say self-pleasure? That sounds weird out loud. Or for the smoke sheet. And uh, Ryan Cooper was also part of that conversation. So, gentlemen, appreciate you taking a few moments and talking about the show and the Barbecue Hall of Fame. And then somebody who might be the longest listener to the show ever. Ron, I hate to say it because I know you've been a longtime listener as well, but I think I'm pretty safe in saying if it's not this guy, then it's probably Phil Watt from Huntsville, Alabama. But I think it might be this guy. You know him on the Twitter as Michael Savino. Boys had him on. Michael Savino, longtime fan of me. Here's a fun fact. Michael Savino's listened to the show forever. And then here I have Jeff Cohen. Well, who's Jeff Cohen to Michael Savino? Who would know? Well, except Michael is married to Jeff's sister, and he never knew that uh, I he was a fan of the Barbecue Central show or that I knew baseball and barbecue. We all found out through third parties, if you can believe. Here's... Here's Michael, related, a fan of Barbecue Central, had no idea that the guys from Baseball and Barbecue and Barbecue Central even knew each other, were talking, were, had a synergy going on. I think that's a hot-button term. But Michael talked at length about how I have dominated this particular scene and really helped him up his barbecue game, but also provided education, entertainment, all that fun stuff. And then my last guest, Rusty Monson, was on, so we thank Rusty. And then after Rusty, it was the executive producer of the Barbecue Central Show in 10 Minutes or Less, John Solberg. The best moments of. And then after John Solberg, it was Doug Scheiding, the cavalcade of embedded correspondents. So I certainly appreciate them taking their own time, being interviewed, talking about the show, and then rolling it and closing it at the end. None other than my first segment guest here this evening in the first hour, Meathead from AmazingRibs.com. So, look, uh, I want to thank everybody that was part of that show. I want to thank Jeff and Len for doing the show. That's certainly something that they didn't have to do. And I would love to say this. I enjoyed 
getting the Barbecue Hall of Fame to where it is today. I believe it was my incessant pounding on transparency, on process, on how people are being put in. Because before the incessant pounding took place, we had no idea how it was going. We have no idea how people were getting put in, how votes were being cast, who was even being considered, how considerations were even happening, and who ended up making it into the class that year. But then the pounding took place incessantly, relentlessly, and then Emily Park showed up, and now five years later, everything is above board. Whether you like it or not, as far as who the nine finalists are, who ends up getting into the Barbecue Hall of Fame, you can't say that it's not transparent. You see the nine finalists. You see who goes in. The only thing else that they need to reveal, which they might at some point, is who's in the nomination tank? Who's in the big holding tank? How many times was I voted for? How many times was somebody else voted for? That's the only thing left. I don't even know if they really need to open that up or not. I mean, you know who you're nominating if you're nominating. So it only takes one person to nominate somebody for consideration. So that's my that was my only goal in starting all of this. And then after the fact, yes, if you don't know the show, we love to be a little fun. We love to be a lot of tongue-in-cheek. We love to be very sarcastic. We love all of this stuff. But in the end, my only goal for the Barbecue Hall of Fame was to make sure that it was being done right, that it was being transparent, and then it was being le done legitimately, and all of those criteria are met now, whether you agree with it or not. And that's the bottom line. So the fact that Jeff and Len and then Malcolm, Ben, Christy, Sean, Ryan, Mike, Rusty, John, Doug, Meathead all showed on the Baseball and Barbecue podcast to give their thoughts on why I should be in. Very heartwarming, very humbling, and I thank everybody for doing it. If you haven't listened to it, please go ahead. If it inspires you to nominate, please go ahead and nominate. If you don't want to do it, don't do it. But you know damn well, you want to hear me get in because the first thing I'm doing at the podium is talking about how we have to get rid of Guy Fieri out of the barbecue all the fame. Mm. It can't happen. You know you want to see it. It's my pledge to you, which means I'm never getting into the barbecue hall of fame because everybody else listens to it too in the nominating today. I'm just kidding names nominating. I would never do that. Hey, let's get out of here because I've almost run over time. All the way back in the first hour was Meathead. Then it was Robert Moss. Then we went in-depth with Rusty Monson for a quarterly visit, and then we closed it out with an ode of my own to the Baseball and Barbecue podcast. Len Hollywood Aberman and Jeff the Old Coot Cohen, who did an ode to Greg Rempe in the Barbecue Central Show and why I should be in the Barbecue Hall of Fame, guys. Mucho appreciado. Mucho, my friends. Mucho. Big show planned for you next week. It's week three, so we may or may not have a Stephen Reichland sighting. There's promises of a Jess Pryles sighting as well, amongst others. So stay tuned for that. So how do I always leave you? September 11, 2001. I will never forget. Until next Tuesday at 9 p.m. Eastern, this is your program host and proud U.S. American, Greg Rempe. Good night now.
Hi, this is Sylvie Curry from Ramona, California, and I'm listening to the Barbecue Central Show. 